Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. That on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. If you wait till Monday, that same deal, $1 a month for a year to The Athletic. That's our Black Friday sale. So just get ready for that. If you want to wait, just be sure to use the URL, theathletic.com slash NBA show. There's lots of great stuff going on at The Athletic right now. Uh, we just released a piece about what what's going wrong. What, what are the concerns going on for every single team in the league? Uh, I participated in that and talked about the Thunder. You can go check that out at The Athletic if you're interested in that. Uh, with me today, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Hi, Andrew. Hi. Well, hi. Well, <coughs> it all started on Friday night, Andrew. With a matchup between the Boston Celtics and the Denver Nuggets. Both teams were on a four-game winning streak at the time. All the major players, except Time Lord, were playing. And the result was a dominant 131-112 win for the Celtics, who have now won eight in a row. Celtics are the best team in the league with a 12-3 record, league-leading plus 7.7 net rating. Celtics have the number one offense in the league by a healthy margin, and their defense is creeping back up now at 12th overall, according to Cleaning wow. Glass. Over the weekend, the star of the show was Joel Embiid. Embiid had back-to-back yep. -back incredible games on Saturday and Sunday, helping the Harden-less Sixers beat the Hawks and the Jazz. Against the Hawks, Embiid put up 42-10-6 with two steals and two blocks. Now, that's a very nice line, Andrew. How could he possibly top that? <laughs> well, Embiid came out the very next night and put up 59-11-8 with one steal and seven blocks. So if sick. Embiid is on your fantasy team and you didn't win this week, disband <laughs> your team. Resign in shame because Joel Embiid deserves better. On Monday night, the Miami Heat, who have had an up-and-down year so far, had a statement win over the Phoenix Suns, coming back from 13 down in the fourth quarter to beat the Suns 113-112. to Bam Adebayo scored 30 points, including the go-ahead free throws, while Jimmy Butler defended Devin Booker on the last gasp three for Phoenix. The Heat moved back to 500, and while it was a disappointing loss for the Suns, they have the number three offense and the number three defense in the league, according to Clinton Glass, so things aren't that bad. On Tuesday night, the Beam Team from Sacktown found themselves <laughs> at 6-6, six and six, Andrew, on a three-game winning streak on national television against the Brooklyn Nets. They proceeded to blow the doors off the Golden One Center, beating the Nets 153-121. to The Kings would end the week on a five-game winning streak, moving to 8-6, eight six, eighth in the Western Conference. Meanwhile, the morning after the game, Kevin Durant gave two separate interviews, giving greater detail on his trade request this summer, more than he had ever talked about it before. The headline, however, was a quote about his teammates, quote, Look at our starting lineup. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. Now, it's unclear how the interviewers received in the Nets locker room, though the good news is that any awkwardness from media questions about those quotes will quickly be forgotten and surpassed when Kyrie Irving returns to play this Sunday. Yes. On Wednesday night... 
the Oklahoma City Thunder visited the nation's capital to face the 8-6 Wizards, who were getting Bradley Beal back after an extended health and safety absence. The story of the night, though, was not Beal, who was solid in his return, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who scored 42 points in the game, none bigger than the final three. A step-back three with 1.1 seconds remaining to steal the game from Washington. The Thunder are now 7-8! and eight with a positive point differential. And SGA is making his case for a first All-Star bid, averaging 32 points, four and a half rebounds, and six assists per game on 55-40-91 shooting. The All-Star game seems like a lock at this point. The only question remaining is will Poku be joining him in Salt Lake City? <laughs> and finally, on Thursday night, Kawhi Leonard returned to the starting lineup for the Clippers after missing the previous 12 games. While Kawhi did not have an amazing night, going 2-for-8 from the field for 8 points, the Clippers were a team-best plus 26 in his minutes as they beat the 3-13 Pistons 96-91. The Clippers continue to struggle offensively, ranking dead last in the league, but have made up for it with their second-ranked defense and some favorable scheduling. Of the Clippers' 9 wins, 6 are against the Lakers, Rockets, or Pistons, who are a combined 9-35 and this season. What a week it was, Andrew. What a week. There there are a lot of great players, and, and some of this stuff has been highlighted on Nerder about you know, the amount of 30-point scores and just the scoring in general that's up. And so there's a lot of players to talk about, and so I wanted to bring up a few players that are just, just haven't really gotten their due so far this season. Uh, my first player is Keldon Johnson. Mm. Uh, as of Thursday morning, there are five players that have hit 53s or more. Um, and there's names that you expect. Steph Curry, Buddy Heald, Jason Tatum. Uh, you have the the lights-out man from Sacramento, Kevin Herter. But someone that no one's talking about that has actually made more threes than Herter, the same as Buddy Heald, is Keldon Johnson of the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Keldon Johnson, currently six in total attempts from three. Uh, 11th in three-pointers per game at 8.8. He is shooting a staggering 42.3% on those threes. The only player that has shot that kind of volume with a better percentage this season, Steph Curry. Just an unbelievable start to the season for the second longest tenured spur, Keldon Johnson. Yeah, that's... I. I was a huge fan of Keldon last year because last year felt like, oh, this is his jump. Like, I'm looking at cleaning the glass. Like, he jumped from 23% of his shots coming from three to 37% last year and started hitting them, and you're like, wow, this is incredible. This year, he's taking 49% of his shots from three. He's taking a ton. Eight, over eight per game, and he is just crushing it right now. I mean, we we talk about the Spurs and their future and, you know, their their tanking and whatnot, but Keldon Johnson, really, really nice piece for them. My second player, OG Ananobi. Alex, you probably know that OG Ananobi leads the league in steals. He's averaging 2.7 steals per game. He's got 40 total steals in 16 games, which is insane. The next closest is DeJounte Murray with 30. But I'm not here to talk about that. Everyone knows that. OG is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, sure. But what about his finishing at the rim this season? Did you know that OG is ninth in field goal attempts in the restricted area this season? And he's shooting 67% on those shots. He's shooting the same number of attempts in the restricted area as Ja Morant. And he's shooting six percentage points better than Ja Morant is this season, is OG Ananobi. The only players in the top 10 in field goal attempts in the restricted area that are shooting better than OG, it's Giannis, Anthony Davis, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Luka. That's it. That's the list. Okay. So OG, having a really nice start to the season, he's also shooting it really well from the left corner. Let's not talk about the right corner. He's only 1 of 12 from there. But he's 43% from the left corner, shooting really well at the rim. And defensively, he's been a monster. Now, his like overall counting numbers aren't that impressive. But I just, just wonder, if he was given a little bit more of the load, what he could do. Because he, the thing about him is he's so strong especially like through his legs. And so he can really get to where he wants to on the court. He can finish with ease just because he's got those sturdy legs. OG Ananobi 
has had a really interesting start to this season. It, it would be very cool if, like, for the third consecutive year, the Raptors just have a different guy be an all-star. Like, <laughs> if, if because Siakam's out, Fred Van Vliet's been out, like, if OG yeah. is just the guy this year, like, that's the new Raptor yeah. that's going to be an all-star. He's had a he's had an impressive start, especially finishing at the rim. Number three, Demonis Sabonis. Last night he had 16 points on five shots against the Spurs, just taking care of business. A plus 21, according to Cleaning the Glass, when he's on the court. That's the best on the Kings. I feel like we just don't hear a lot about him. I feel like it's all about De'Aaron Fox. It's all about his all-star numbers. You don't hear that much about Domas. And one thing that's really opened things up for De'Aaron is uh, Sabonis' screening. He is third in screen assist points per game, only behind Steven Adams and screen assist all-star Rudy Gobert. He is second in assist percentage amongst all centers, only behind uh, Nikola Jokic, of course. And then he's ninth in post-touches in the NBA this season, shooting 77% in the restricted area. So amongst all the players in the top 50 in field goal attempts in the restricted area, He's there's only three guys that are shooting better than him. It's Mobley, Nick Claxton, and Luka Doncic. I mean, it's pretty impressive what he's done in the restricted area so far this season. He attracts a lot of attention there. He's passing out of double teams. He's part of what's making this offense work in Sacramento. So I just want to make sure he got a little bit of a shout out because it's all it's all about De'Aaron Fox. It's all about Kevin Herter. No one really wants to talk about Domas. Part of it is like the defense is still a problem for him. But yeah, he's been he's been a great offensive player for them so far. Yeah, it's, it, this was such a fun Kings week. And, you know, going back to our conversations about surprise team, you know, we were talking about like, oh, if they could just be like 18th in defense and be like 12th in offense, like maybe that would be <laughs> enough. And none of those things have happened, but they are no. the second ranked offense right now. I and know. The 27th ranked defense. Like, obviously, you're hoping that that defense starts to creep up, that they figure something out. And maybe that involves a trade for, for a defensive minded player at some point. Mm-hmm. But the offense is just out of control right now. They're so much fun. And Domas is a big part of that. So and, and shout out to Domas. Kings fans. They are packing that place. Golden One Center sounds amazing. Every game I watch is exciting because of the crowd. They they're lighting the beam, Andrew. It's just light the beam, fire the laser. Amazing Come on, vibes right now. I love it. Uh, fourth guy, DeAndre Hunter, and specifically DeAndre Hunter in the mid range. He's taken the twelfth most mid range jumpers in the league so far this season. And he is shooting 50% from the mid-range. So the only players in the top 12 that are shooting better from the mid-range, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, DeMar DeRozan, SGA, and Jamal Murray. That's just wow. kind of wild. Yeah, I, I mean, I he did, is, he is lighting it up from the mid-range. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter lighting up from the mid-range. Um, the Hawks are a plus 4.8 when Hunter is on the court so far. And then my last one, real quick. Mikael Bridges of the Suns, plus 15.9 when he's on the court, according to Cleaning the Glass. That's the best on the team, aside from Cam Johnson, who's kind of small sample size, and Cam obviously can't play due to the torn meniscus. Um, But he's also, his shooting so far has been outrageous. 66% true shooting. That's good for 15th in the NBA. The only non-bigs that have a better true shooting percentage this season Trey Murphy the third, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kevin Herter, and Steph Curry. Wow, that's it. That's the only non-bigs that have a better true shooting. Uh, Mikael Bridges has been amazing for Phoenix, and one of the big reasons why they continue to thrive. So, yeah, that big game... shout-outs to Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Hunter and Sabonis, OG, and Keldon Johnson. Not getting their due out there in the NBA world, but I, I just want them to know that I'm noticing that game uh, against Golden State that Bridges had, that where he had 23-9-9. Nine and nine. He had nine assists. Mikael Bridges had nine assists. Yeah. It was incredible. And actually leads into uh, what I want to talk about this week because that game was involved. Because, Andrew, uh, I realized something that really put things into perspective for me. It kind of blew my mind in the process, and it is somewhat mm. related to fantasy basketball. Now, you and I have been playing fantasy together for over 15 years now, at least. Forever, yeah. 
And anyone who's played fantasy basketball for any amount of time can probably remember specific seasons of specific players who almost single-handedly won you a season or got you really close. And the one that will always stick out in my memory is the 2015-16 season for Steph Curry. He was coming off the MVP season and somehow increased his three-point attempts by three per game while hitting Mm -hmm. 45% of them. I remember having (laughs) Steph on my team that season and just being in complete shock like the entire time because it genuinely felt like he had reached some level that a fantasy player shouldn't be able to reach because once he reached that level, the game was effectively broken. Like I just cruised to the title. It was no big deal. I have Steph. It was career highs in field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw attempts per game, points, rebounds, steals. An incredible season. Unanimous MVP. And the reason I was thinking about that that season this week was because after Steph went for 50 against Phoenix in that loss, I was looking at basketball reference and realized that Steph at age 34 in his 14th season is putting up stats right now that rival and in many ways surpass that unanimous (laughs) MVP season. (laughs) Steph is currently at career highs in field goal percentage, points, and rebounds. He's just under 45% from three on a still absurd 11 and a half attempts per game. Still averaging <laughs> so over six assists per game while turning the ball over the second fewest times per game in his entire career. Now, the big difference compared to past seasons so far is reflected in his field goal percentage. You know, even in that great year, 2015-16, he shot like 50.4% from the field. He's shooting over 53% now, and it's because of his finishing at the rim. He's currently shooting 77% at the rim, according to Cleaning so the sick. Glass, which is... 10 percentage points better than he's ever shot at the rim. So, mm-hmm. you know, that number's probably going to come down a little. The steals aren't there like they were in 2015-16. And it's also notable that the league as a whole is experiencing a scoring explosion like we've never seen. You know, whereas in 2015-16, Steph's line was breaking basketball. In 2022, he might not even be one of the first names people say if you asked who's having the best statistical season. And yet, despite yeah, definitely all that, not. yeah, like people would yeah. probably say Luca, you know, like Steph, mm-hmm. Steph would be there. Giannis. Yeah, Giannis. Yeah. Despite all of that, I'm still kind of blown away that seven years later, Steph is basically matching the stats of that absolutely insane fantasy season. Because as mm-hmm. good as he's been since that season, statistically, if you go on basketball reference, that season still sticks out when you're looking at his career until now. Yep. And this week had two classic Steph performances. We got the the 40-point game against Cleveland, which included a play where Steph hit a game-tying three in the final minute in which he caught a pass from Draymond running away from the basket, turned and drained a three while looking away from the basket. (laughs) Then two games later, he followed that up with the 50-point game in a loss. Listen, we spent a lot of time this offseason talking about how the Lakers were about to waste one of the last good seasons of LeBron. And while that's, that's probably still true, At the same time, when you watch LeBron this season, you also see the ways in which he's aged and he's not quite the same player. Meanwhile, Steph is over there on a 6-9 Warriors team, absolutely carrying them. The Warriors are plus 20.4 points per per 100 possessions better when Steph is on the court. An on-off number that has only been topped in his career by, you guessed it, the 2015-16 season when it was plus (laughs) 21.3. For all the talk about light years and two timelines, this opening stretch of the season has been just another reminder that it's always been about Steph. It will always be about Steph. And whether you Mm -hmm. want to place the blame on Jordan Poole, Clay, the front office for using six roster spots on players under the age of 22 who collectively played six total minutes in that loss to Phoenix. Yep. It doesn't really matter. What matters is this team isn't good enough. And unlike the Lakers and LeBron, the Warriors aren't just at risk of wasting one of the last good seasons of Steph. They're at risk of wasting what might be one of his best statistical seasons we've seen from him if he keeps this up. And if you're wondering, okay, well, what what should they do? Tim Kawakami wrote a great article on The Athletic this week outlining the full range of options for the Warriors. Everything from something as simple as just moving on from Jermichael Green and getting another vet big, all the way to completely blowing up this roster and tanking for Wemby. Tim mentions (laughs) that a Wiseman trade feels like the most likely of all the scenarios, which is fascinating for multiple reasons. 
But regardless, yeah. the Warriors most likely need to do something if they have any interest in maximizing what is looking like another very special Steph season. And they should, Andrew, because there is not going to be another Steph on their next timeline. I guarantee no. it. So go get Steph help. Even if it's just even if it's just like another vet big. If it's just a small thing like that, like they they just need something clearly. It's it's mm-hmm. wild to think back on that bench last year because you know, it it was a good bench, but we weren't thinking like, oh man, this is amazing. But now that guys like Otto Porter are gone, Damian Lee are gone, it's it's kind of amazing watching them try to replace those guys and just not be able to do it. You start to realize how yeah. important those guys were, even as like eighth or ninth men on that team. Yeah, GP two as well. Yeah, yeah GP two. I don't know what I don't know what they do because like what is I mean, I'm, I'm sure Wiseman has value, but it's going down every game. I mean, that is him to the G League. That, that's why I mean, I'm so fascinated just, by it because I couldn't play. Yeah, I, I just what do you get for him? I can't imagine what a trade looks like right now because it would take so much for them to to kind of give up yeah. on that. Yeah, I mean it feels a little bit like we mentioned this on a, another podcast we did, but it feels like the Jalil Okafor situation with the Sixers a little bit. You know, like what do you what are you going to do? Like you just hang on for so long that it's like oh man, I I guess we'll trade him for Trevor Booker, you know? Like what I mean, you you almost need to do it now and risk like him blowing up somewhere else and getting something that's actual of actual value. Rather than just like waiting and him just deteriorating in a situation that doesn't work for him or the team. Right, right, yeah. So yeah, that'll be one of the one of the early season things that uh, I, I'm hoping will happen. That we'll see something, some move on that Golden State front, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely need to do something. Uh, speaking of needs to do something, <laughs> we're going to talk to Jovan Buha about the Los Angeles Lakers right after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Andrew, it is now time for the Wheel of Fandom. This week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, the Lakers only had two games this week, and considering how things have been going, it was a pretty good week. A close, competitive loss to the Kings and a 13-point win over the Brooklyn Nets. That's one and one, Andrew, which means the Lakers are 500 in their last two games. Previous games, not important, because very soon the Lakers will see the returns of LeBron, Dennis Schroeder, and Thomas Bryant. Andrew, if the Lakers are our favorite team this week, who is our guest? We've got beat writer for The Athletic on the Los Angeles Lakers. It's Jovan Buha. Jovan, what's up, man? How's it going, guys? Uh, going a lot better than the Lakers season has so far. The <laughs> Lakers are 3-10. and 10. Everyone knows about the three-point shooting. Bottom of the league at 31%. Other than the shooting, though, what are like the two or three biggest reasons why the Lakers have struggled so much so far? Yeah, well, first off, they've played one of the hardest schedules in the league. I think if they had played even an average schedule, we're probably talking about a five and eight or six and seven team. And for the Lakers, that's obviously not much better, but I think we'd be having a different conversation right now had they, I mean, just like Utah was supposed to be the the two easy games on their opening slate and Utah, obviously, you know, was at the top of the Western conference not that long ago. And, and when the Lakers played them, they were the one seed at the time. So they were kind of looking at the Utah games as like, okay, well after this first slate of of six or seven, we'll, we'll finally get Utah and get a couple wins there. And it was like, no, like Utah's actually your toughest opponent, arguably, um, so I think really the schedule, if you look at it again, you know, Golden State, the Clippers, Denver a couple times, um, they've just played playoff team after playoff team. And for a group that is rather new, has a new coaching staff and obviously has not shot the ball well, not played that well. I think they needed some Orlando's and, and Houston's uh, kind of thrown in there to pad some wins. And I think at, at some point, 
they kind of lost their confidence. They've been a bit demoralized by this start, and it's kind of compounded in, into this three and ten record that they currently have. So that, that would be the, the first, you know, first and foremost. Um, the, the shooting, as you mentioned, has, has been awful, and it's it's really been inescapable from them. Uh, where you know they've talked about their shot quality is really good. It's just they can't make shots, and you know they're generating the looks they want to get. They're getting a lot of high percentage wide open threes and they just can't make them and, you know, haven't been finishing well as well. I would say the, the other thing has been injuries. You know, Le- LeBron has obviously missed uh, a couple games now. Uh, AD's missed the game and some of the role players, uh, uh, Troy Brown Jr., who's been one of their better players, missed the first few games and they've been without Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder. And, you know, they were counting on those guys. And, uh, you know, with Thomas Bryant out, they've started AD at center gone a lot smaller i think once thomas is, is back potentially tonight uh or friday night against detroit like they might start playing you know more 80 at the four which i think could be good for them so i would say it's it's mainly been a combination of the schedule and the shooting but they have had some injuries to some of their key rotation guys and um you know add that in with which is honestly a lack of of talent and an underwhelming supporting cast and, and you have a three and ten record you mentioned Detroit uh, on Friday night. Their next five, Detroit, San Antonio, Phoenix, San Antonio, San Antonio. Three games against the Spurs. So it feels like if they were going to turn their season around, these next five games would be a great place to start. Um, they so, have, oh, yeah, I was going to say, they have to go four and one in this stretch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year... Uh, wasn't particularly great either for the Lakers, but there were some bright spots with Malik Monk breaking out, Austin Reeves providing quality minutes as an undrafted rookie. In the midst of what is looking like a disappointing season so far, what have been the biggest bright spots if we're looking at the positives? Well, I, I think you know one of them I mentioned was, was Troy Brown Jr., who is you know a former top. I think he was 15th pick uh, a few years ago and bounced around from Washington to Chicago to to now the Lakers. Um, he has, has been the closest thing they have to a three and D wing uh, on this team. Um, you know, I, I would say I guess uh, another weakness or, or shortcoming of this roster is they're just super small and, and they they've been playing small with 80 at the five. But if you look at the rest of the the rotation, it's a lot of guys that are six four and below. Troy Brown is one of those guys who, who's six six, can defend multiple positions, uh, has been shooting the ball reasonably well, uh, has even shown the ability to take guys off the dribble a little bit. So Troy Brown, uh, the biggest one though to, to me has been Lonnie Walker, and uh, mm-hmm. I took a big fat L on the Lonnie Walker signing. I was really critical of it. Um, you know, they, mm-hmm. they used their taxpayer mid level exception on, on Lonnie, and at the time I wrote. It was probably the worst taxpayer mid-level signing of the offseason. Like if you looked at the other guys, uh, you know, Bruce Brown, Otto Porter, JaVale McGee, like all those guys are, are borderline starters or, or high-level bench players. And Lonnie Walker just hadn't shown that in San Antonio. You know, San Antonio rescinded yeah. their qualifying offer. Like, you know, they're rebuilding. Theoretically, he should be a part of that. And they had no interest in keeping Lonnie Walker. So it was coming off a season shooting 31% on three. Like I just didn't think he made sense for them. And it was also just another small perimeter guy. But Lonnie Walker has stepped up as the fourth leading scorer on this team. He's really, I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, kind of having a Malik Monk type season, except he's a much better defender than Malik Monk. And and the Lakers have used him as a point of attack guy. He's really defended point guards well, uh, you know, pressuring the ball and defending in the pick and roll. So, like, he's someone that, um, you know, if I'm them, I'm trying to keep longer term and they're, they're going to have a tough time kind of similar to Malik where uh, b- because they signed him to a one-year deal he is going to you know they don't have his full bird rights and it's going to be kind of tricky th- this upcoming offseason but I guess in a way signing him to a bigger contract will allow them to pay him more so maybe it works out but I think Lonnie Walker has been the biggest bright spot for for sure Austin Reeves has looked good so like they have some interesting young talent. Like no one's a star, no one's even necessarily a full-time starter. But they have a, a an elite scouting department. They've drafted really well. They've identified good young talent. Uh, I think for them, it's it's continuing to develop those guys and uh, putting in some some better veteran pieces uh, around the the big two of LeBron and AD. 
So Anthony Davis hasn't shot very well this season, and his like dominant shooting from the bubble has just not returned since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's looking better overall this season. What has stood out to you about AD's play? Yeah, the 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 jump shot. It, I think the jump shot's gone. It, it was uh, it was a bubble. It, it was a bubble special. But um, I, mm-hmm. I think w- with AD, you've seen him. I mean, one fully embrace playing the five, which has been a thing with him for years. Where, uh, despite being six foot eleven, two hundred and forty five pounds, he's just really been reluctant to play a lot of center. And you've seen in LA, the Lakers have often been at their best with Anthony Davis at center, and it was something that they used during their championship run in twenty twenty. It was something they used to their success a lot in, in 2021 as well. Uh, last year, he ended up playing a lot of center because the Lakers had Dwight Howard and, and DeAndre Jordan, and, and both of those guys weren't really rotation caliber guys. But you're seeing like AD has started, you know, all of his games at center, played 100% of his minutes at center, and ha- has really embraced a, a physical toll that he's just never endured throughout his career. So I think he he deserves some credit for that. Um, and and you, you've seen, uh, you know, I, I recently wrote about this in the Lakers three wins. He's had 15 plus rebounds in all three wins. And that's not really sustainable. You, you don't really see guys putting up those numbers anymore. But I, I think it, it's more you know symbolic of when 80s dominating the paint and exploiting smaller defenders, crashing the offensive glass. Uh, and, and you know, making teams pay for switching off of him or, or single covering him, like the Lakers, I think can kind of punch above their weight just with his raw talent. And so th- th- that's been one of the things. I mean, he's still a force in the paint. He, he's still among uh, the, the most efficient paint scores in the league. Um, you know, that that game against Brooklyn, uh, he, he took twenty three of his twenty five shots uh, in the paint. So. Uh, that to me what was really encouraging if you're the Lakers. Uh, defensively, I think he's returned. Last year kind of had a down year defensively. Uh, I think right now if the Lakers had a better record, he'd be in the defensive player of the year conversation. So to me, AD, aside from the shooting, which continues to be a struggle, is really looking more and more like the old AD. He's more spry, he's more athletic. For him, it's just staying healthy and and the Lakers kind of finding different ways to to use him and get him easier buckets. Cause he's also kind of been quiet in second half. So that's been another thing for them. But again, that, that Brooklyn game uh, that they kept feeding him went nine to 13 in the second half. And uh, they ended up getting their third one of the season. And to support AD, the Lakers do have reinforcements coming. We mentioned that LeBron, Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant are close to returning. We know what to hopefully expect from LeBron, but what do you think Lakers fans should realistically expect from Schroeder and Bryant? Like, can these guys be key pieces in turning the season around, or is that asking too much of those two? I think that's asking too much. Uh, I mean, Thomas Bryant, to, to you know, to be honest, did not look great in, in the preseason. Um, the, the Lakers had initially looked at him as their starting center when they had signed him this offseason, and he kind of lost that job in training camp and in the preseason. Then they went to Damian Jones. Uh, he did not look great either. And, and then they ended up settling on AD as their starting center. Uh, I think the one thing with Thomas is this team does need spacing and, and shooting. And uh, although he did not shoot well in the preseason, he does have a couple of seasons under his belt in Washington where he did shoot 40 plus percent on low volume uh, three-point shooting, but Thomas Bryant is a threat, and all it takes is one pick-and-pop three for defenders to start paying attention to you. So I think if he can do that with the second unit, uh, provide some energy, and, and not really get burnt defensively, which, which I think is one concern that they have with him, uh, I think he'll be fine and, and should be able to play 10 to 15 minutes a night off the bench and uh, potentially even grow that role into Maybe the Lakers do end up switching to you know Brian at center and uh, AD and, and LeBron at the two forward spots. So I, I think it's really going to depend on how he defends, uh, particularly in the pick and roll, and if he can regain that shooting that he showed in Washington a couple years ago. With Dennis, like um, you know, again, like this was someone that was out of the league uh, really, you know, a few months ago, and until the Lakers signed him late in the summer. Uh, and really at that point, we're looking at potentially trading Russell Westbrook when, when they signed him. 
um, you know, Dennis might not have been on a roster and, you know, did look good in, in Eurobasket over the summer. But um, I think was someone who, who didn't have a great season last year with, with Boston and Houston. So uh, I, I think the, the point guard spot with the Lakers is always going to be LeBron first and foremost. But Russ has played well off the bench. Uh, Kendrick Nunn has been a, a huge disappointment. So I guess he can take some of those minutes. But you, you also have Pat Beverly there. So I look at Dennis as I think for him, it's going to come down to his defense. You know, can he match Beverly defensively or, or, or provide a, um, you know, 70, 80% of that. And then offensively, he's obviously a much better player. Pat has struggled offensively and Dennis has a, a history with the Lakers, you know, played with, with them a couple of years ago, uh, was their starting point guard. So maybe Dennis can, can grow a role off the bench. Uh, maybe he can even replace Pat with, with how much Pat has struggled offensively. So um, I, I don't look at either guy as a difference maker necessarily, but I also look at the rest of the supporting cast and, and how bad some of the guys have been and look at like, hey, um, you know, can Thomas Bryant take Damian Jones's role? Like, yeah. Uh, can, can Dennis take Kendrick's role? Yeah. So um, I, I definitely look at both guys as rotation guys. I, I just don't know if they're elevating this roster from three and 10 to, um, you know, 500 or so. So there were pictures of Rob Palenka boarding a flight to Indianapolis this week paired <laughs> with an excited tweet from Buddy Heald. How do you think this saga of these two picks ends. Do you expect the Lakers to make a significant trade? Do they stand pat? Do they make a smaller move involving just one of the picks? How do you see this playing out? Well, we, we mentioned the five-game stretch coming up. And the, the thing I've been told time and time again uh, by, by people close to the situation is that the Lakers were going to wait out the first 20, 25 games or so. So that would be around Thanksgiving and evaluate the roster and just look at, you know, where are we um, in the West pecking order? Do we have a shot? Are, you know, are we a play-in team that needs an upgrade to be a playoff team? Are we a playoff team that needs an upgrade to be a contender? Like, where are we at? Obviously, right now, that they're a lottery team that doesn't have its own pick uh, and, you know, would, would yep. be lucky to get into the play-in team at this point. Um, but if they can win four of those next five games and, and maybe – five of their next seven games and get some momentum here, show that this team has some fight, show that this team has some grit and get that record closer to 500. I think there's still a, a solid chance that they end up trading Russell Westbrook, you know, either for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald or in a different deal. Um, you know, one other thing they've been monitoring is just kind of other teams around the league. You know, what, what other teams are uh, disappointing? Uh, you know, what, what other teams might have a star or, or a high level rotation guy become available because that team is underachieving. And, and can we pounce on that w with a pick or two? Um, I think as of now, it, it's looking unlikely that they're willing to include both picks. Um, again, that could change if they reel off five of seven, six of eight, and, and all of a sudden have some life and, and are close to 500. I think th that changes things, but um I'm a little skeptical that's going to happen. Uh, I, I think you know maybe going four and three or something is more realistic, and I, I see a smaller move probably uh, as a more realistic medium for them. Of you know, can you trade Pat Beverly and upgrade that with a first or, or a protected first? Uh, can, can you move Kendrick Nunn? Can you maybe combine Pat and Kendrick? Um, that their salaries would get up to about twenty million. And you could get another, you know, starter level guy. Uh, so I, I look at that as maybe a more realistic thing. I mean, they could still get Miles Turner individually or Buddy Heald individually. They don't have to get both of them um, and, mm -hmm. and keep Russ. Uh, now, I, I do think that you know Russ's contract is going to get more valuable the closer we get to the trade deadline. So that could also be, you know, step one could just be a smaller move, trading Pat, trading Kendrick. Uh, and step two is, is trading Russ at the deadline. I still think they're going to be aggressive in that. I, I just think that, you know, from everything I've heard, the asking price continues to be two picks. And I, I don't think the Lakers are in a position right now to really justify giving up two picks for a team that still might be at best a playing team if they make that move. So I think for them, it's, it's really going to come down to the, the players and the team and, and how they perform over the next few games. And, if they go like two and five, right. And now all of a sudden you're looking at a five and 15 start. Well, 
there you go. You know, there, there's your season. And um, I think, you know, again, they'll, they'll trade Russ if they don't have to give up any picks, but that might not be until the trade deadline. And at that point, your season might already be over. So uh, I think they're, they're really going to base a lot of the, the rest of this season over this upcoming, you know, next two or three weeks. And if the Lakers show some life, I think they'll be more aggressive. But if they don't, uh, I think they're, they're most likely going to stand pat and, and at best make a smaller move with, with maybe some of the rotation guys and, and attaching a pick. I'm really interested in that scenario you just brought up about what if they go two and five and the season's over and they don't have a pick. Like, what do you think they would do in that scenario? Like, do they start stripping this down completely or do they just kind of play it out? and then revisit this summer because that would be i mean we still have like that even at that point there would still be like 60 games left and like what could they use that time to do yeah it, it's a it's a fascinating question because there there is a there's a chance they they end up giving Victor Wembanyama to to the Pelicans which would just be an all-time I would say an all-time moment on Twitter, but I don't know if Twitter is going to exist <laughs> next summer. Right. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but but just just kind of you know that one of those you know uh, unintended uh, consequences from from the Anthony Davis trade, and uh, of course they got a championship from that. So I think that it's a you know it's a trade they would do ten out of ten times, but it would be uh, kind of ironic if they end up giving uh, a generational prospect to the Pelicans uh, out of that deal, but. Um, I, you know, one thing that needs to continue to be said that I don't think is said enough is LeBron James cannot be traded uh, this season because of the extension that he signed. So all the people saying trade LeBron, you know, strip it down, like that's not even possible. Like LeBron James is going to be a Laker through at least the rest of this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could trade him next offseason. But uh, again, that that's not this season. So Le- LeBron is going to be a Laker through the rest of this year. Um, I, I think... Again, Russ, it's going to come down to what is the price to get off of his contract. If they get to the trade deadline, even if they're doing better, I still think that the you know the the optics of it that they want to get off the contract, that they want to get out of the situation. So they will still trade him, you know, at the deadline if they don't have to give up those you know pick or two. Uh, with AD, I think that's the interesting one. There had been some buzz, obviously, in the media that the, the Lakers. You know, we're potentially looking at, at trading him. Everything I've heard is no. Um, you know, I, I think th- there's always like a, a chance a Godfather offer comes where um, you know maybe Kevin Durant becomes available, and uh, again, and and you know the Lakers consider that. But aside from that, the Lakers aren't going to sell low on on AD and, and you know get pennies on the dollar for their investment. You know, if anything, um, I think you know because of uh, the the Wembenyama situation and, and kind of the way this is all playing out, like I think that would probably look bad for them to to trade AD for you know role players and, and picks, and I don't think they're going to do that. This isn't the, the type of franchise that that kind of sells off their stars like that. Um, so I think for for them, it, it's just you know we're going to look to reload next summer uh, of you know and Russ will be off uh, our cap sheet and. Uh, you know, we'll have LeBron in AD. We'll, we'll have some cap space. We'll have three picks starting on draft night to to be potentially move. So they could make a, a larger offer for a star next offseason. Um, now, LeBron, I, I don't know if you guys saw his comments uh, on Thursday Night Football talking about surrounding Aaron Rodgers with better talent and, and trading picks. Like, <laughs> so I, I think Le- LeBron has, has taken s- some recent shots on, on social media and in his postgame comments. Uh, about trading picks and going all in and, and maximizing his season. Uh, so that is something that I think will be interesting to see how LeBron and, and AD kind of handle th- this team, maybe not making a move. But if they, again, go two and five and, and really show that this is a lottery team, whether or not they make a move, uh, it, it, I think the Lakers are just going to stand pat, potentially move Russ, and just kind of ride out this season. Wow. Well, if that's the case, I'm glad we got them this week and not in a couple months. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids 
And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Well, Jovan, thank you for answering our questions. It is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat Lakers edition. Now, Jovan, you've played this game before. Uh, it's a trivia game. All these questions are about the Lakers. So you're going to pick a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will get a chance to steal for one point. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So to start us off, just give me a number between one and eight. Six. Question number six. In Kendrick Nunn's rookie season, the 2019-20 bubble year, he scored 36 in a game. Only one rookie that season scored more in a single game than Kendrick Nunn. Who was it? Zion. Oh my gosh. A great guess. <laughs> Incorrect. Andrew, who's the only oh, rookie of the bubble year? Boy. Now, Jovan gave you a hint as to the class, or did he? Mm -hmm. Was that the Zion year? It seems like there's an obvious answer, but I just don't, <laughs> I don't feel like that's going to be correct. Well, what if it is? It could be. Um, I guess it could be. What about what about Tyler Hero? Another good guess. He's up there. Also oh. incorrect. It was Michael Porter Jr. scoring 37 points uh, in his rookie season. All right, Andrew, you are not on the board, but you have control of the board. Where would you like to go next? Number one. Question number one. This is a fun one. The Lakers opened the season 2-10, and 10, which tied their worst starts in franchise history in 1957-58. And 2015-16, we're going to try to name as many players from that 2015-16 Lakers roster as we can. So how this works, oh, Andrew, you'll give me a name, then Jovan will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So this is the the classic 2015-16 Lakers. Uh, Kobe. That is correct. Jovan. Julius Randle. That is correct. Back to Andrew. Jordan Clarkson? Jordan Clarkson, that is correct. Back to Jovan. D'Angelo Russell. That is correct. Back to Andrew. Was Nick Young on that team? Nick Young was on that team, Andrew. Back to Jovan. Robert Sacre? Yes, Robert Sacre! <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh, no. Back to Andrew. Um... Was Larry Nance Jr. on that team? Yes, he was, Andrew. You guys are on fire. Back to Jovan. Was that Roy Hibbert? Yes, it was. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's keep going, Andrew. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lou Williams was on that team. Andrew, too. you're absolutely correct. We're still, how many have you guys gotten? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You've already named nine players of the 2015 16 Lakers. Can we make it 10, Jovan? Uh, I'm trying to remember the bigs on that team. Um, Good luck. <laughs> uh, there's got luck. There's got to be someone I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, Who's the starting? Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a blank here. All right, Andrew. That means you get the points. The other names. Yes. Brandon Bass was on that team. Ooh. Oh wow! I wouldn't uh, have got that. Tarek Black. 
Okay, that's what you yeah. got. Uh, Anthony Brown, uh, Marcelo okay. Huertas. Oh, Huertas. Uh, Ryan Kelly. Oh, and... Ryan Kelly, Laker legend. <laughs> and Meta World Peace was still on that team. Played like 25 <sighs> okay. games. I forgot uh, about that. Okay, Jovan, it is your board. Uh, question two. Question number two. LeBron James is currently taking over seven threes per game while shooting 24%. In NBA history, there are only two players who took more than seven threes per game while shooting under 30% for a full season, Kobe Bryant and Michael Adams. Who is the other active NBA player other than LeBron who is also currently taking more than seven threes per game while shooting under 30%? Is it Clay? It is not Clay. So that is a good guess. He's actually shooting uh, 33%. I was just looking that up. Sorry, Clay. Uh, Andrew, do you have a guess? <laughs> um, what about Luca? It is. It's Luca Doncic. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sh- shooting, uh, taking yeah. 7.9 threes per game and shooting like 29%. Um, okay. Yeah. So- we, had t- we talked so much about his usage rate and also in conjunction talked about how poorly he's shooting from three so far. Yes, he is. Uh, okay, Andrew. The board is yours. Number three. Uh, question number three. <laughs> oh, Andrew, you're screwed. The Lakers. <laughs> the Lakers randomly have three guys who played college ball at Vanderbilt. How many can you name? Oh, my gosh. I'll give you one point per correct answer. You're a big college ball guy, Andrew. You're a big fan of the, I believe they're the Commodores. Is that right? <sighs> can you think of one player? I'm pretty sure Damian Jones played at Vanderbilt. That is correct for one point. You're imagining <laughs> that. I think of like the ra- <laughs> the random guys like Troy Brown played at Oregon. Lonnie Walker was Miami. I don't know. I have no idea. That's all I got. All right, Yovan, you could pick up two points here. All right. Uh, one is Scottie Pippen Jr. That is correct. Uh, he's gonna be here in okc next week playing 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 the blue uh the Uh. other one is is uh it's no it's okay it's not max christie um Mm -mm. i'm (laughs) trying Um, it's not Kendrick Thomas. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bow out. It was a guy who played at three different colleges, including uh, Notre Dame and Chattanooga, but in between there, he played at Vanderbilt, and that is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Uh, Ah, wow. Once upon a time. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Okay. That's Uh, cool. Yovan, you're on the board. I'm on the board. And you have control of the board. Make up some ground Uh, here. Number eight. Question number eight. Uh, Okay. Anthony Davis currently leads the Lakers in blocks and steals. Total blocks and total steals. He's number one in both categories. There are only... Two other players in the NBA who lead their respective teams in total blocks and total steals. I'm going to tell you the teams they play for. One plays for the Warriors and the other plays for the Pelicans. Who are they? Herb Jones. Herb Jones is incorrect. Andrew, you have to give me both names because I've told you the team names. One is for the Warriors and one is for the Pelicans. Andrew Wiggins. Who's your choice for the Warriors, and who would you like to choose for the Pelicans? God, it's just, it feels wrong that it's not Herb Jones, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> total blocks and total steals for the Pelicans is not Herb Jones. Did you check this? Yes, I checked it. How dare you? <sighs> I'll double check it. Gosh, I, I mean, part of me wants to say Jose Alvarado, but like, I don't think he's getting the blocks. Hmm, Interesting. Um, what about, what about Trey Murphy? Um, no, that's wrong. Uh, I'm double checking it right now because it does sound crazy and it is true. It sounds insane. It is CJ McCollum. (laughs) What? (laughs) CJ has 10 blocks right now 
and 18 steals. Really? Isn't wow. that crazy? I would have never guessed that. Is uh, that I, I was is I was then blowing. thinking like Brandon Ingram or, or Larry Nance Jr. <laughs> Those have been normal guesses as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Andrew. I guess Herb's been hurt some, but sheesh. Uh, number four. Question number four. There have been 16 two-man lineups to play more than 150 minutes together this season for the Lakers. Which two Lakers make up the worst two-man lineup of that group with a minus 13.6 net rating when they are on the court together? And you'll get one point per correct answer. So this is the worst two-man lineup on the Lakers who have played at least 150 minutes together. Uh, LeBron James. Andrew, that is correct. Okay. Patrick Beverly. That is incorrect. Jovan, you could steal for a point. Who's the Lonnie worst two-man lineup? Also incorrect, it's LeBron and Austin Reeves. Wow. Mm. Don't know why. Wouldn't have expected. I'm surprised. Why did you go with LeBron immediately? I thought that would be I thought you would not do that. Uh he just hadn't he hadn't been awesome this well, year. Oh yeah, I agree. So, but, and it, yeah. Okay. All right. That's a little counterintuitive. I was going, was, going was. that direction. You figured me out. Okay, Yovan, there's two questions yeah. left. Uh, I'm getting dominated. Uh, number five. Okay, the Lakers take a greater percentage of their shots at the rim than any other team in the league, with 40.8% of their shots being at the rim, according to Cleaning the Glass. Which team in the league takes the second largest percentage of their shots at the rim? And I'm going to give you three guesses and I, 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 be, and not be, not because you're behind. I actually wrote this into my doc because I want to see if any of you could guess this after six guesses. So I'm going to give you three guesses for the team that is second in taking the largest percentage of their shots at the rim, right behind the Lakers. Okay, uh, Milwaukee. That is incorrect, but a very normal guess. You get two more guesses. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, just, just I'm going to throw out a really weird, one, but Sacramento. That is random and it is wrong. And you get one more guess. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, and then. Before, before you answer, I will say that this team was either first or second last year too. Okay. Um, huh. Philly. Another very good guess, but another very wrong guess. Andrew, would you like to throw out three teams that are all going to be wrong? I know the Thunder are high up there, but you wouldn't make it the Thunder, so I don't know if I want to burn a guess there. Minnesota seems logical. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of like what's the illogical team. Um, the Knicks? Nope. Two more guesses. No. <laughs> what about Chicago? No, one more guess. No. You guys will have named, uh, I think, 20% of the league. Portland? Also wrong. The correct answer was the Charlotte <laughs> Hornets. <laughs> I guess it's just that I just don't think of them yeah. as part of that. But that also seems it, weird. It does seem weird. And but it's consistent. Like the, the, they've been first or second in terms of taking the largest percentage huh. of their shots at the rim. Um, okay, final question, Andrew. This is a choose who answers first. What is Patrick Beverly's okay. career high in points in a single game? You can answer first, and Yovan mm. can go higher or lower, or you can make Yovan answer first, and then you go higher or lower. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Yovan, would you like to go higher or lower for Patrick Beverly's career high in points? I will go higher. The correct answer is 26, which means Andrew takes <laughs> the week. Lower than you might uh, think. You had thought there would have been a game that Patrick Beverly just went crazy in. But yeah. Yeah. Six. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, go check out Yovan on The Athletic. Yovan, thanks so much for joining, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And, and Andrew, you, you dominated me get this w <laughs> I, 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 it was it was a very lakers-esque performance by me <laughs> that was it was very fitting it was very fitting for the week <laughs> thanks yovan 
All right, Andrew, Lakers week is over. Oh, so sad. Uh, but we get to spin the wheel again and find a new favorite team. And uh, depending on whether we do a Thanksgiving show or not, this could be a two-week team. So this is a team we could potentially Ooh. be watching a lot of. Uh, let's see who we get. This week's Wheel of Fandom team will be... Ooh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Can the T-Wolves turn one. it around? Wow. That, is a, that is a juicy one. Lots of juicy storylines. Maybe a good time to get them to to see if they can uh, turn this ship around a little bit. Yeah, let me, ta- let me take a uh, look. Check uh, let me see who they're, they're playing. So, upcoming. Checking on the vibes. Saturday at Philly. Monday, Miami. Yeah. Wednesday at wow. Indiana. And then Charlotte, Golden State, Washington, if we're watching them for another... Okay. Uh, so, so at the end of that, yeah. it's kind of doable. So we'll, we'll see. But yeah. I'm interested to see that that uh, Philly game is on NBA TV. Uh, a little matinee Saturday game, so that'll be good. Yeah, yeah, that's that is a really interesting one. I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, something else that intrigues me is when people leave five star Apple Podcast reviews for our show. You can go do that today, and we'll read it right here on the podcast. This one comes from Spree NYK8. Five stars. The Saturday Slam and Jam episodes are goated out the wazoo. Wow. I love the week recap, Wheel of Fandom, and Andrew versus the Beat. You guys are the highlight of my week. Thank you so much for that review. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Enjoy your weekend, and we will talk to you guys again next week. Maybe. Hey,